Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I come before you today with this message of dire importance. Lately, each movie we make costs about as much as a 10-year-old used car would cost. We save up for a few years and then spend it all on our newest movie. Of course, these movies earn us almost nothing, but it's so much fun. I'd rather have a bunch of movies than a bunch of used cars. Can I come over and watch Freaky Farley with you tonight? The film you're about to see contains scenes of shocking river beast action, which are definitely not for the timid. Welcome back to Don't Let the Motown Cast Get You, a podcast dedicated to the films of Charles Roxburg and Matt Farley. I'm here with my friends Calvin, Matt, and Stephen as always, and today we're talking about Sammy, the tale of a teddy and a terrible tunnel. For those of you who have not watched the movie, which I presume is very few of you, um, <laughs> one of the best bits in, in the movie is in a true Motown fashion, Kevin McGee, who plays Kevin McGee as he did in our previous film. He seems to like playing Kevin McGee. He's very good at playing Kevin McGee. Um, he's the best. He's very probably the best Kevin McGee actor that I've seen. Mm. Um, I, I, they'll recast him at some point, but you know, I'm not ready for that. Um, but he refers to Matt Farley's character, Jamie, as Matt, and then gets corrected to Jamie and doesn't really care about it. In what seems like a written line, but may just be a very good, just like cover up of a- Just like, like a, a flubbed good, line, yeah. Like it, it, it may be, but it's, it's handled very well and is maybe the best joke in the movie. Yes, I do agree. Usually we have a higher hit percentage for our jokes. Um, this one I'd say uh, maybe the fewest that uh, really land with me yet. Mm. Yeah, I was, uh, this is the first Motown movie where I was really sort of tugging at my collar awkwardly sort of like not really not really enjoying the majority of it um, just, I just let's say uh, Matt not Jamie Matt you, you might want to stop listening now and just presume that we say really nice things <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know it's a 20 year old movie <laughs> It's Jesus Christ! You're right. That is twenty it's years. Twenty ago. years ago. Um, so it's the second in the Druids saga after Adventures in Caribbean Country, which we covered last time. And there is some continuity. There is some continuity. Dirt, dirt, dirt jar-based continuity <laughs> with Kevin McGee. But other than that, like it doesn't really get druidy at all. Until really ever? Yeah. I mean, there's like a bit in no. the end in terms of like the monster there's kind of druid stuff there but basically this is uh, a homage to the 1980s film the pit which farley has uh, confirmed hasn't he which is interesting because it seems like this movie was made entirely for our friend jamie so i'm i'm intrigued as to what our <laughs> friend jamie thinks about this movie that was made entirely for him well I, I appreciated the references to the pit and everything that wasn't a reference to the pit was a bit of a head scratcher mm. uh there's just a lot of uncomfortability with the alter ego that Farley has in this film, uh, playing somebody suffering from some sort of PTSD, some sort of mental disorder. And uh, it's very 2002. You didn't also yeah. have to wear the helmet to the podcast, but I appreciate your uh, <laughs> getting into character. Yeah, the way you're waving that frying pan is quite threatening, but again, it's method and it's fine. There were some moments here where I was I was very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, like we say, 20 years ago. So Matt Farley, you're listening, and we appreciate you. It's just that uh, we still have to dissect the movie on our own terms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my main discomfort was looking back on the fact that I watched this movie relatively recently. And 
was being like, I don't remember finding this uncomfortable. So I don't know what I was thinking the first time I watched this movie. Mm. <laughs> but I also did, I, I watched them in a bit of a haze. And in my defense, I watched them when I was unknowingly had COVID. So I think <laughs> that that is part of, <laughs> of okay. my state. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel that it's people like, this is a weird link to make. Hello, it's me again. Um, <laughs> people like talk about like the star system of like Hollywood and how like your relationship with a film was so predicated on you bringing in your relationship with an actor with a star. And I felt that when I watched this last, I watched this in a large sequence of Farley movies, mm. um, and I was I was watching it being like, oh, there's Farley doing a thing again. And I wasn't really thinking about the thing that he was doing. I was like, yeah. this is a different thing, and he's still charming because I find Matt Farley very very charming. And now watching it kind of like disjoined from that, I'm like. I don't know what Matt Farley's doing here. I don't really like it. I don't like and this it. character does not does not does not suit what he's mm. so good at. Because I usually think he's utterly brilliant. Uh, and this time I was like, this isn't a good character for you. And what the character is, I don't like. Mm. It doesn't play well to his traits or his strengths or anyone's. I wouldn't no. think that anyone should play this character no, necessarily. There's no way this could have been pulled off, really, because as we we because we this is the first movie we watched. Uh, we synced up together and we watched in like a text <laughs> chat to uh, just share thoughts at the same time. And like, well, let's have a fun time. Um, uh, one point was that it's referencing it's an homage to the pit, but in the pit, the main character is a child. Yeah, which which means you know the way Farley's playing this character just feels completely off at all points. Yeah, it's a little bit Village of the Damned, but again, Matt Farley is an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the film is predicated at points around his relationships with women. Um, mm. And the presentation of that is very, very strange. I mean, we were talking in the chat of, um, I've been watching a lot of Evangelion recently, and this like got a bit too far into like waifu battle territory. It's not my favorite part of that show either. Um, but it was very much like, who am I shipping infantilized Matt Farley with? And um, It is my favorite part of both, uh, just to set the record straight. <laughs> so, so Calvin, who's, who's your favorite waifu? Apart from your own, obviously. My waifu is obviously. Yeah. I mean, the okay. frying... The frying pan is a close second. Though. Yes, the frying mm, pan is mm. definitely my favorite character in this film. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say, I love the voice of Sammy. Oh, that yes. is true. Yeah, Sammy, well done. Um, yeah, it is uh, an adult playing with childlike and um, rough autistic adjacent tendencies that that yeah. really that really set me off a little bit. I I was surprised because uh, as we are so endeared to mm. this brand of filmmaking mm. and. And that is still consistent, but it, it feels the least written of everything yeah. we've encountered yes. to me. It feels like a usually when I hear the verbosity of their jokes, and of course that's less present because Matt Farley's playing like this child, like a uh, um, guy who wears his bike helmet always, and uh, kind of talks in very you know terse, like childlike terms. Um, yeah, I, the the bike helmet thing was particularly upsetting to me this time i mean working in a school at the moment hypothetically of course i've never disclosed my actual career um <laughs> and we're in this kind of like liminal space of like are there masks or a mask and myself as a sensible adult i'm continuing to wear masks because masks mm-hmm. were only taken away so our prime minister could keep his job so i'm i'm i don't really base my whims on that um, that's some british satire for you british <laughs> listeners which is i guess purely jack um, <laughs> <laughs> i enjoyed it who I can see at the moment. So there you go. I'm really appealing to him. Um, but there is very much, um, I, I'm choosing my language very, very carefully, um, but there are certain students who are very, very much 
continuing to and have worn masks as a, as a safety mechanism, as a wider safety mechanism, and because it makes them feel comfortable as a way of interacting with the world. And the wearing of a helmet for those kind of reasons is very, very linked to that. Mm. Um, seemingly unawarely in like the full implications of that in terms of like sensory needs or sensory feelings um, and is pulled off discordantly um, and is handled poorly at the end especially yeah. and is, is treated as an affectation which is fine and like the characters the characters are a collection of affectations that don't feel targeted but the affectations together with it being an homage to I think it's more noticeable to me this time having watched the pit of being like oh you're the child from the pit mm. Mm. so all of those things coming together um, paint a, a picture that is disquieting Sure. So the first time I watched it, before I'd actually seen the pit, I think I was drawn to that side of the narrative, not realizing mm. it was an homage to the pit. Yes. So sort of didn't really, you know, hone in on Farley's character and what he's really doing in this role. But this time, we we uh, we watched the pit a, a couple of weeks ago to prepare for this, and knowing going in knowing that it's a, a pit homage and being able to sort of sit with Farley and sit with the character and sit with the uh, the dialogue and the script, it just doesn't play as well. Well, and the pit's about like a boy and his teddy bear and like these mm. backyard monsters that he finds in this pit that he tries to drag women to. But uh, that's not quite as clearly developed in uh, Sammy. No. Not, yeah, it like, alludes to that premise. at a point and then it, it doesn't really do it. It dips in and out of that. Well, it sort of dips in, then leaves it for 45 <laughs> minutes or whatever. <laughs> Similar to Adventures in Crewman Country where like it was half and half. It was about druids, but it was mainly about being a musical mayor. It sits with uh, what's Jamie, not Matt. Um, yeah, for the majority, <laughs> yes. and then like the pit and a new stuff. one to be confusing. Fantastic. <laughs> the pit stuff's the pit stuff's present in the beginning, and then very present towards the end with like one other occurrence. But like you sort of forget that that's the general plot of this film, or that the major sort of pull towards this film is the homage to the pit. I mean, watching it the first time, having not seen the pit, I was like, is this movie? In homage to Odie Barbar, what is going on here? Um, <laughs> wow. Genuinely, because I've not seen the bit, I was like, this is a strange reference point, but they mm. seem conceptually similar. But no, no, I'm just wrong. It's more of a woman in the dunes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you're right. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's a... You know what? I've warmed to it suddenly. <laughs> I, had, I had just seen the pit for the first time before watching this and i watched mm. it with some of y'all recently mm. and uh hilariously overachieving score in the pit which also kind of plays into sammy if i were to draw uh the clearest uh connection and and tie them in it would be a. Uh, I think jack commented that it's like jrpg music <laughs> like walking into a town in final fantasy or chrono trigger Absolutely. All the music seems like it comes out of snares. It's awesome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, so great. On, on the Moten budget in, you know, very early 2000s, I can only imagine how difficult it was to create an entire uh, soundtrack for a feature-length film. And it does come across as sort of a very digitized, very synthesized MIDI instruments. And I couldn't help but notice that it just sounds like, yeah. like four or five different themes that you'd find walking around a video game in part. <laughs> 
Yeah, one is definitely just the town music as well. It's mm. even like it's a town like, oh, this is the town theme with JRPG. And then as you commented partway through, Jazz, like, ah, oh, we're into the battle theme now. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's just they're definitely like those key like themes that would like overlap and um loop in a video game. Like they're that simple and yeah, as you say, just a few keys. So it would just be something that I could just uh carry on in a in a Squaresoft game at some point. And that's not just a feature of this movie that sort of repetitive digital theme it's it's in a lot of modern movies like it's just the it's just the pit tie-in because like that that is so distinct in the pit where like the music's overblown and um it kind of overtakes the movie in a really charming way and that i guess i hadn't i hadn't seen the pit before some of these other ones but uh, Mm. yeah that's a very clear tie-in well no budget filmmaking is often you know the the um the emphasis is always on the camera and the visual angle and crafting the sort of the sound design is a lot difficult on a budget it's, it's very huh. difficult on a budget so obviously farley is uh, a talented musician and works in music production and whatever i know he tweeted something recently that a newspaper said that he was without talent so yeah i did uh, yeah. that so yeah <laughs> okay you translated I, only I, um, that bit I retract my statement. Matt Farley has no musical talent, but he has released 23,000 songs. So that means something. Exactly. But yeah, crafting, and I assume it was just him and, you know, Charlie pitching in to actually produce this soundtrack. And it is a solo effort or whatever. Um, you say that, Jack, but I watched the credits and there's a lot of bands credited in the music credits at the end. Oh, okay. like, there's like Moe's Haven. There's like all these like names <laughs> that just seem to be very distinct bands. Toilet Bowl Cleaners. Uh, there are names adjacent to that but yeah weirdly every song it had a writing credit um, of a matt farley but the band name that performed it was completely different uh-huh. pretty, interesting. pretty incredible to get access to this many bands for an end yeah it is yeah. it's like a like tony hawk game like you know <laughs> really good <laughs> i uh, yeah i wish this was as fun as a tony hawk game but as we said there are just I moments you can say that about every movie you watch jack that's every movie i well, wish you every know... movie were as fun as tony yeah game. but then yeah. <laughs> Then there's that um, pretending to be Superman uh, Tony Hawk video game documentary that's not fun at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. I, I was about to say, should I watch that? No, like... just play just play Tony Hawk Underground 2 on uh, PlayStation 2 and have well, a much better evening. The only good thing is okay. the Apocalypse game with Bruce Willis. They talk about like giving him large guns and how they first designed the skateboarder around him. So maybe uh, watch are there any that movies like, with Tony Hawk in the lead, just a starring vehicle for him? I feel no, like, I mean, no. like, other than, if like, not, why not? He's probably in a jackass at some point, but oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine he's in, all I can think of is a Simpsons episode he's, he guest starred in, but I can't think of any feature films that he had, like, my X Games cameo in. My favorite Tony Hawk thing is everyone's favorite Tony Hawk thing that he just posts all the time that people just keep telling him yeah. that he looks like Tony Hawk, which is just very funny every time. Yeah, yeah. It's just like Matt Farley looks like Jamie in this movie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and sammy sounds a lot sound, sound, yeah. Yeah, sammy, sammy sounds a lot like mac farley I, yeah as we said earlier i do like um it's just like a matt pa- farley performance the bear stuff is great voice, bear stuff is but it's great. just like and the ending is great slightly slowed down voice slightly like different inflection to give it this ominous feel and yeah as we, as steven just said like the, the last line is a sammy line and that that played for big laughs for me anyway Hello, the, the, I'm a Sammy new line. fifth person on this podcast. I'm a different <laughs> voice. <laughs> I'm a bear joining. I actually think the movie's very sensitive and you haven't considered it in enough light. <laughs> Leave. Sorry, sorry. there's just a, a guest came in briefly. I've shut them out. They have some weird opinions. 
I hope they make a return. When they were, they had the big check, everyone was holding it, and McGee uh, touched, I can't remember the woman's name, he touched her hand, and then the, the bear just moans, no! <laughs> <laughs> I, I laughed out loud at that one. There are sprinklings of Moton moments like that, like just like little idiosyncratic lines. And I think Calva mentioned that it doesn't feel as scripted as some of the other films that we've watched and will come to watch. But there are certain moments, certain like yes. references or lines that are so strange that you can't help pick up on them. Um, there is a one, one point where Jamie mentions flying buttresses and both Stephen and I just immediately commented on that because it's <laughs> such a strange thing to throw into a scene. Yeah, his, some of his memories of the 50s, his, yeah. which clearly was not around for, um, but his favourite memory of the 50s was the amount of flying buttresses. Which, that, that's the character I want, the kind of character that could just like phrase like that. At one point it's a basketball game. Terrific. Of course. A staple. We, we, we love that. A staple walking on the train movie. tracks that kind of stuff it was it's in that mode the whole way through and, if, and kevin mcgee we need to start a campaign to get this man an oscar um, calvin take to the streets get your best cow <laughs> sit anywhere with a cow, First um, cow. and we're getting much like yeah. david lynch uh, Abs- uh petitioning for laura Dern. well when you explain the reference calvin, <laughs> it's not as good. i'm just here for context unnecessary context i'm so <laughs> Farley would have, Farley will get that joke because we know he's a cinephile because you could see on his on his uh, bookshelves and his DVD shelves or, or VHS shelves I should say I spotted La Dolce Vita. Oh, Man. the Good Life! Yeah, he had a copy of the Good Life. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, Farley topless in this movie. What do we? How do we feel about that? <laughs> yeah, the amount of, the surprising amount of Matt Farley nudity, which um, knowing that he may or may not be listening to. I don't feel like we should comment on. I don't know. I'm going to give it a thumbs up, and that's all I'm going to say. I do. Good for you, Matt. Just know. Just know. Yeah. We all feel very good. Yeah. Let's make it weird. There's a a bathing scene. There you go. There's more than one bathing scene. (laughs) Yeah, but there's there's, 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 there's a bathing scene, is what I'm saying, Jamie. Like, there's more than one, but there's a one. Like, (laughs) it's the frying pan. The frying pan one. Yes, yes. So the frying pan gets his time to shine. Yeah, it's a good frying pan. Turn your speakers all the way up when you start (laughs) the movie. Abel Ferraro, this movie should be played loud. Starts with a barely audible whisper that you you need to hear to understand the movie. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And like yeah. that actually contextualizes everything and actually makes the framing a lot more palatable and a lot more PC. So if you really turn it up loud at the beginning, you can really <laughs> for the better of the tape jack is shaking his head. Uh, I was gonna say I am sh- I don't I don't agree with it. I don't condone any of this. As we said, like <laughs> no budget filmmaking, one one of the crooks is, is sound design. And this film just begins with the most sort of obnoxious high-pitched squeal wearing headphones i was like we're in for a ride here and even i did Steve, warn you <laughs> Stephen did warn me and i was like eh, it can't be that bad i'm you know i'm used to some sounds and yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've heard things in my time <laughs> put that on your cv used to sounds <laughs> Jack, audio engineer i'm used to sounds i'm used to sounds <laughs> it's like memoria eh? you're like you're pretty much the guy memoria who's just like oh yeah i can i can make a sound bam yeah i'm used to sounds a ball you say dropping yeah fine <laughs> <laughs> it is bad and the music does play abrasively with that digital piano too uh, throughout mm-hmm. the movie uh so there are levels that are a little bit off and uh, i mean just starting the movie that way i i knew we were in for something 
but it, but it starts with like what seems like Evil Dead homage in terms of yeah, like, yeah, just like camera, camera going movement. through woods. Which reminded me that we're like so used to a certain like canon of horror films that gets homaged all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And it is, or maybe not successfully, it is conceptually very interesting to see a really niche, weird movie get this kind of like loving homage. It's, 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 it's nice that someone decided to do a basic remake of The Pit, but also not a remake. That's kind of cool. I almost went, wish it went uh, full remake if it's going to be that much yeah. prestige. Mm. I'm, I'm missing the parts of the pit that I really like. But. Yeah. yeah, Jamie needs to be more menacing. Jamie, mm-hmm. I think very to... menacing, personally. I, I, I find it quite scary. <laughs> I, yeah, so I using, the third, using the third person, I think, really adds to the scariness as well. I, 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 I guess we worrying. should yeah. uh, be clear. The, the main character in the pit the child is named jamie and uh the actor playing him is sammy which is uh, translated into this film with, it's uh, homage upon homage upon homage yeah. <laughs> and i didn't even you know get get those until midway through the film when matt yeah, uh, jamie I, posted the uh <laughs> i'm not a scholar the pit, like jamie is so uh all the pit nuances i've seen the pit but um, they kind of you know went over my head a bit but I'd like to see the Motown gang return to this sort of idea of unearthing like niche 80s horror films and taking their own spin on it mm. in, a, in a more sort of a 2020 landscape. Just... Well, there's a Freaky Farley is exactly. Like oh, that is, yeah. That yeah, is yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll get to that. More of that, please. That's, um, that's relatively soon for us, isn't it? That's 2007. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward. How many movies can they make in five years? You know, <laughs> I think we have three in between now and uh, Freaky Farley. Two more okay. druids. Todd. I hope there's more druids in those druids movies. But from the titles, I'd imagine they're going to be more druids because one of them promises druids, druids being omnipresent at some point. <laughs> that is the title of the movie: Druids, Druids, Omnipresent, which is a bit verbose, um, even for Moten. But hey. They do like the uh, interesting word choices. There yeah. is a, a druid moment within this movie. It's not as big as Certified. some of the others, but uh, there is a Charles Roxbury druid. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. like I like the monster. The monster looks really cool. It's 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 a nice it's a well executed cheap look because it mm. is simply thank you, Jack. A, a cloak, a wig, and. Some light up goggles? I don't even know what they are. <laughs> yes. The eyes. I was trying to work it out because they're not swimming goggles with lights in them. They're sort of it's like they're psychonauts. I kind of like it. <laughs> Do swimming goggles with lights in them exist? Is, or is that a maybe thing? like for all our scuba diver listeners that don't like scuba diving gear, <laughs> just like wearing goggles and holding their breath? Please, if you've gone deep uh, water diving, let us know what you have you written our little jingle for Scuba Divers Minute yet? Because we do this every podcast now, so we really here need it to is. Here it is. <laughs> I will genuinely write that. I have nothing to fucking. Grab your tank, yeah, we're going swimming Gonna swim down, find where all the fish are living Bubbles and coral and the murky depths We've got oxygen, don't need to hold your breath Scuba diving Scuba diving 
I think you can tell our opinion of the movie based by how much of the conversation is actually about the movie and how much is just me and Jack annoying everybody else. Well, it's just like, it's a shame because we like the motor movies and we like Farley and we like Charlie, but it's just, this one doesn't, this one doesn't sit right. No, not quite. But uh, there's, yeah, there are things there that we could, that we could hang on to. Mm. Kevin seen, McGee is innocent. Kevin McGee innocent. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm he's, going campaigning. Kevin he McGee. He looks good. He looks great. He's got he great sexy voice, notably. Very blonde hair. Looks great in a suit. Mm. Ten but, out of ten. Yeah. It's telling yeah, that yeah. our primary takeaways are that uh, Jack's used to sounds and Stephen likes <laughs> monsters. <laughs> it's true. And the SNES. And the SNES. And the SNES. I'm more oh, of a Jenny nice. guy, uh, a Mega Drive Jenny guy. So uh, I'm not surprised. You did strike me as that kind of guy. I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big on that Dreamcast energy. Oh, well, that's different. That's different. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. You strike me as a Billy Hatcher kind of guy. I don't know. Um, why do I seem like I just <laughs> play with an egg and roll it up a hill? <laughs> trying to just ostracize Matt as much as possible. I was going to say, you've lost me. Sorry, you've Jamie. lost me now. <laughs> uh, whenever you look like, like an egg roller, game like, conversation what, what? music conversation, I'm lost. <laughs> I was just like, what's a Mega Drive game that only Calvin would have heard of? There you go, Bam. Brilliant. Okay, thank you, thank you. What about a Pit game or a Sammy game? Would that work? Pitfall. Pitfall's a game. And it's a Teshigahara movie to bring it back to ah, the Jeeps. There, there you go. go. Also, it all goes back to Teshigahara. Seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't enough troglodytes in Women in the Dunes for my liking. but Or enough yeah. Anthony Gaudi. Antonio Gaudi, please. Anto- no, Anthony, his brother. <laughs> his brother. If, if, there were, if there were troglodytes in Women in the Dunes, I think he would have had more motivation to get out of that. Get out, get out of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Yes. <laughs> That would be the 2022 Still would not be remake. able to. Yeah. It would be get I would out remake more movies with troglodytes, like The Exterminating Angel, but like add more <laughs> of the stakes of now there are troglodytes at the dinner party. Well, you say he wouldn't be able to get out, but if there were more troglodytes in that pit, he mm. could climb on top of them and just jump mm, out. Like a train to Busan kind of thing. Extermin- <laughs> exactly, yes. Ex- exterminating Angels, uh, Exterminating Angel with troglodytes <laughs> would be there outside the door, and that's the reason they can't leave the room. Is because the troglodytes mm. are barred the door, so it'd be a lot yeah. shorter the film. Okay. It was actually in Bunuel's original draft, and he was like, "Nah, it doesn't make sense with these troglodytes. So if we get rid of them, then we can make a longer it's, movie. We can make it a metaphor. It's too literal. Bunuel thought <laughs> we have too much of a literal reason for why they can't leave. We must make this metaphorical. To the ennui of the bourgeoisie, and there you go, the troglodyte. The troglodytes still gone. More troglodyte erasure in cinema. Spanish film for too long has ignored the troglodyte." <laughs> <laughs> this is my TED talk. Speaking of TED talk, uh, anyone else yes. talk to their teddy bears lately? Oh, Jesus that is seamless. Um, no, Godzilla. Steve and I are both just chatting with our Godzilla plushes now because we are grown men with lives. Yeah, oh, grown men. I've yeah, also got a again, near me. I think there's a hedgehog plushie somewhere <laughs> in this house that I could. Uh, well, of course, that, would, of course. that would fit with canon, Jamie. That's, that is you classic, Jamie. <laughs> sent, you st- is, wait, is, is it stuffed? Is it the actual hedgehog from previously? Oh, God. <laughs> no, for not to say. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's living out his own Sammy in the tunnel. So, what's this film called? <laughs> Sammy and the, <laughs> the Tale of a Teddy and a oh, Terrible God. Tunnel. 
great title. On, yeah, but on Letterboxd, um, it's just called Sammy, and it's like that's that's half mm. the fun. Come on, give me the yeah, tail. Here's, here's a question: a Does a tunnel have to have two ends? Like, Jesus does, Christ, does, the, <laughs> does the tunnel in this movie count as a tunnel? How do you define a tunnel? Oh, God. Is a straw a tunnel, is what I'm saying. Is a straw a tunnel? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to say a straw is a tunnel. Is a cup a tunnel? Because if, yeah, if, hmm. it's just yeah, a good question. question. No, well, I, I, I want to say... Well, if it has a handle, it's a tunnel, because you just go through the handle. Surely I you can instinctively, go... Instinctively, I say two ends, but if I was tunneling into something, I would only have one end. This isn't a tunnel. There were tunnels in Adventures of Crewman County. But mm. Well, Country. there were. That was the issue. Well, they yeah, wanted to. The idea of tunnels existed. This is very <laughs> much. Uh, this is very much a pit movie that doesn't want to be called a pit movie. So is it a pit a tunnel? A pitfall. They're going for the no. Uh, the tease, the tail of a teddy in a terrible tunnel. You can't have pit at the end. And what's another word for a pit that's not tunnel? Well, a hole. You can make a tunnel <laughs> in a pit. So. Oh. I can make a tunnel <laughs> in a pit, but yes. and the tale of the terrible Sarlacc. That's just the book of Boba Fett, but I don't know. I've not seen it. Apparently, it's got like child bikers, and the internet's angry. The internet's hated child bikers for years. Don't listen to them. Mm. <laughs> All the way back. Yeah, I've read lots of Akira reviews. And BMX Triple X and Bikini Car Wash Adventure. God. Um. This movie, I don't know. Yeah, fingers crossed the next one in the Druid saga hits hits better than this. I don't know. I like the Druids. I'm a big fan of the Druids conceptually. Well, that's and the thing. You, Druids are good. They've hooked me in with the Druid saga, and mm. then they spend sixty minutes out of their seventy nine minute movie not involving Druids whatsoever. So I don't know if was this supposed to be a Druid saga from the start. Like I don't know how I much don't know. this was planned. I'll, yeah, how much of I mean, the, the ending of this clearly feels planned towards the next one, but the ending of Crubin Country doesn't necessarily feel like it was planned. But then you have... Like a George Lucas thing, isn't it? It's been mm. like, yeah, it was always meant to be six to nine movies. I'm like, well, I don't believe you, sir. I don't believe do you, you think it was connected while they were making this, or do you think it became connected as they are making it? Well, surely the, tell as well. The, the Kevin McGee, the, the Jar of Dirt. Yeah. Yes. That's Why the else only... would you have Kevin McGee playing Kevin McGee? It's, it's not like he's Kevin McGee. <laughs> he can't just show up and be. Yeah, he can't just Kevin be McGee. Kevin McGee unless the script necessitates. He's Kevin I th- McGee. I think George Lucas actually edited that scene in ten years after the fact to That's link it, it back into the Druid saga, so that you can actually pause on each frame and see that the, the jar of dirt has actually been superimposed on top. Wasn't there? Yeah, but why would he said he didn't like dirt because it's rough and got everywhere? I thought it was rough. unnecessary. Oh. You know, ultimately, I think like when you're making these micro-budget indie movies, you have to keep everything effectively that you shoot. Maybe uh, sometimes you shoot a lot of stuff, it doesn't go anywhere. And uh, it's not like you have a budget to go reshoot and mm. uh, retake things. So uh, yeah. if something doesn't work, you kind of have to run with it also. I also respect yeah. that. It feels dangerous to make a film this way. <laughs> like, like, you don't yeah, know what's I going tried. to happen. You're not going to be able to go do reshoots. You can't really edit it. So... Uh, whatever happens is kind of the movie you get. And, uh, and then, it's, then it's just on to the next project. Yeah. You know? Okay, that one. Druids, Druids everywhere. Druids, Druids everywhere. Is that the next one? Or is it? Druid, Druid, I'm sorry. That's just three words together. That's, that's no, no, sorry. I refute. That is a fantastic title. Those are three words oh, that will I, get those... me to buy a ticket to a movie. Druids? Well, I'm not saying three sold... words together is bad. 
that's it's good because it's just three random words together. I think we're both agreeing. Druids, good. Gladiators, mm. love them. Clones, sign me up. <laughs> sign, sign Jack up for cloning. Sign me we up for cloning. Sign both of us up for cloning. Oh no, there's four Jacks. <laughs> I'm seeing double. <laughs> so yeah, here's, here's hoping the next few uh, land better with us here. Um, Matt, you've seen Druid, Gladiator and Clone. I have. And you liked it? Yeah, I, I definitely liked it more than this one. Okay, um, okay. okay. That's something uh, it's, it's about on par with Cruben Country, I think. Oh, okay. I liked Cruben Country cool. a lot. I, yeah, I did like Cruben Country. So it'd be good, good to return to form of my musical <laughs> mayor friend, Matt Farley. Yeah. Matt, we're not angry. We're, no. <laughs> Just we're also not disappointed. We're not disappointed, we're Matt. Not. Well, I mean, again, it was 2002. I mean, I was 10. I was also um, younger. Cal for Frito. <laughs> I was already old. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. Well, if I'd have made a movie in 2002, it would have been worse. To be fair, I would have made Scooby Doo in 2002, <laughs> but that's just me. Hire Roger Gosnell. Hire Jack. <laughs> Matt Farley reboot Scooby Doo. Who cares? Do it. Rights. It doesn't matter. It's yeah, Jack. Matter. Fifty years old. Under- his pen name of James Gunn, um, but you know. <laughs> oh. Shall we? Is is? Do I see a plug ahoy? Is it? Is, I think we, it's. We, I we think we've got this. this can we do this in destination? Can we do this in two and a half minutes before this recording ends? I think we. Can. I think so. If you, if you don't let me talk, we can. Okay. So thanks for listening to this episode of Ad- Adventures in Cruben Country. Is not the name of the podcast. <laughs> that <you> find my <laughs> notes. <laughs> I've, yeah, got, the I've, I've got too many podcasts. <laughs> thanks, for, Country. <laughs> thanks for listening to Don't Let the Moturn Cast. Maybe that's a better you. name. Can we rebrand it at this point, Calvin? No. No. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> the t shirts have already been printed. So thanks for listening to this episode of Don't Let the Moturn Cast get you. Today we've been discussing a film that we didn't really like, but it's fine. What's it called again? More. What was his oh, name, Jack? Oh, Sammy the Tale of a Teddy in a Terrible Tunnel. God, you said that really well. Yeah, I've been practicing. So, yeah, um, yeah. plug ahoy. <laughs> um, I don't know. Don't see Moonfall. Read my review about it. <laughs> Thetwingeeks.com for all your movie needs. Uh, come listen yeah, to our podcast. Mm, which is just called The Twin Geeks. Follow the us on Letterboxd. You'll find us. Do it. I'm Zero Zebra. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I finally admit it. <laughs> oh. Um, only a few dozen people who have logged these movies on Letterboxd. Like, just, just click on, yeah. The, click on. Yeah, the, we'll uh, probably yes. be in the top reviews somewhere. It's fine. I, yeah, my my positive view of this movie is is the pop is the top review of this film. So I might delete that. I don't know. <laughs> um. uh, until next time, don't let the Motown cast get you. It, it got me this time, guys. It got. Thank me. you, guys. We all sound very sexy over the telephone. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a reference, that's just true. Charlie Roxburgh, you're so talented. You are a very good movie maker. You're the director of lots of great movies like Freaky Farley and Slingshot Cops. Charlie Roxburgh, you're so good.
Hollywood with a camera You can get lots of shots done in one Yeah, yeah, yeah.